I don't know if you've ever had a mold problem in your house. We've, uh, over the last month, it seems like it just has not stopped raining around here. It's just raining, raining, raining. In fact, uh, anyone who's tried to go camping over the weekend should know that it always rains at Easter. That's just what seems to happen. It's God's way of making sure you stay on the coast and you're in church. That's just how it works. You don't go camping. Anyway, that's, that's fine. Uh, and so over the last month, what I've found on our patio furniture, so we've got a deck out the front, and rain has been pelting in, and this beautiful 12-month-old white furniture, uh, fiberglass seats, has just gone this horrible dark color. It's only 12 months old. It's gone, like, it's a blackish, greenish kind of color. And for a little while, there was no green at all. It just was going black. And, you, and in that scenario, you're like, well, what am I going to do? We've, we've got a problem. How am I going to remove this mark and this stain? So as, as a good Aussie bloke, the first thing I turned to was the gurney. I pulled out the gurney. I'm like, if the gurney can't fix this, we're in a lot of problems. So would not move it. Like, okay, put it closer, turn up the power, would not move it. Then if you're, uh, you know, a, a good tradie from that point, which I'm not, but if you were, you'd probably pull out the hydrochloric acid. We can burn this stuff off, surely. We'll get rid of it. But, but here's, here's what I've learned. I actually, I hated chemistry at school, but I actually ironically own a chemical business. And for the last 25 years, I've learned about cleaning and chemicals and, and how certain things, certain types of stains need certain types of, of solutions to remove them, whether it's an acid solution for a certain thing, whether it's an alkaline solution, whether it's a, an organic solution. Where, and what I've realized after trying with spray and wipe and a whole lot of other things, which is alkaline, to try and remove these black marks, nothing was getting rid of the problem until I put the right solution on, which was, and it made me realize, of course, it's mold. This is a mold and mildew problem, and you need to put something on with a little bit of chlorine or something similar into it. As soon as I put it on, within seconds, it began to get uh, liquefy, and then I could easily wash it off, and my, my chairs are brand new. They're just beautiful and they're shiny. And so that, that's the problem. Maybe I'm helping somebody here today with what might fix your problem. Uh, but here's the, de here's the deal. We had to work out what the problem was and then we had to work out what the solution was. And I don't know about you, but if you've looked around the world today, you've just got to turn on the news, which I try not to do too much, but you've just got to turn on the news and realize that we have a problem as a human race. There is horrible murders. There are horrible, horrible greed, starvation, hatred, racism. There's all sorts of evil things happen. The world, uh, it, there's so much stuff of fear and anxiety and pain and anger, hatred. There's bullying. There's greed. There's relationship breakdown. There's, there's all sorts of sickness, depression, uh, and things that you just look at and you go, this is a problem. There's lots of good in the world, and the light that shines through is great, but at the very core you go, there's so much darkness around. What, what, how do we deal with the darkness? And the first thing we've got to realize is, well, to be able to fix the problem, you've got to diagnose the problem correctly, rather than just guessing, well, how do I fix that problem? Some people have got the ideas of, well, maybe, maybe it's the government's fault, and the government should fix all the problems. 
And I believe in good government, but th those problems aren't going to be fixed by the government alone. Some people are like, we just need more money. And if we throw more money at these problems, we'll come up with solutions. Maybe science is the answer. And science can find some pill or some medication or some idea that will fix all of those kinds of problems that we've looked at. But that's only really addressing the symptoms. The symptoms of greed, the symptoms of pain, the symptom, symptoms, not the Simpsons, they also need to be fixed, but the symptoms, particularly Homer, the Simpsons, not the symptoms, are really not the core problem. Underneath all of these things that are so obvious to us when we look is a core problem. And the Bible tells us very clearly that the core problem is called sin. Sin at its very core is where humanity, right from the beginning of time and ever since, rejected God as the creator and ruler over his universe. Sin is where we say, God, we don't need you. Sin is where we say, God, I'll be my own boss. I'll create my own truth, which is an oxymoron. But anyway, I'll create my own values. I'll create my own way of doing things. I don't need you. If you're there, I'm on the same level of you. I'm not going to submit to you, and I'm going to work out my own life. And that's the core issue. It's called sin. Sin means that we think that, oh, I'm, I'm proud, I'm independent, and I'm self-focused. The problem with sin is it's not something that can be easily fixed by effort, energy, willpower, science, or people making up their own mind that I'm just going to be a better person because sin is a genetic problem. Sin is a spiritually genetic problem. It's something that's passed down in the blood of our mothers and our fathers as, we, as genetically in the DNA. It's since the beginning of time, sin has been a problem. The Bible says this, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. When Adam sinned, the, the first man, when he sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. From the moment Adam rejected God's leadership or rule over his own life, at that moment, this thing, sin, entered the world like a poison, like a virus, like a venom that's got into the spiritual genetic DNA of every human being. And as a result of it, the consequences have been those things we talked about earlier, fear and death and pain and anger. All of those things have come out of this genetic problem that we've got called sin. And you can't fix it yourself. It doesn't matter whether you're a son or daughter of the prime minister, a pastor, a plumber, or a prisoner. It doesn't matter who your parents are. You are going to get the genetic DNA of sinfulness, it's in your blood and it's in my blood. We can dress it up any way we like, but at the end of the day, it is the core problem of humanity. There's a magnetic pull of sin to do our things our own way, to be our own boss, to, to be independent, to become wealthy, uh, to, become, to become greedy, to, be, to have all of our desires met. It's, it's a magnetic pull. It controls us. The problem is we can't change ourselves so what if sin is the core problem of humanity rejecting God and doing things my own way if that's the core problem and I can't fix it myself well what's the solution 
Because we know if we diagnose the mold issue properly, then we could work out the right solution. Well, if we diagnose our issues, and it's not just the world, it's my issues. My issues are directly related to my own sinfulness. And the moment I admit that and, and come to terms with it and go, you know what, I'm infected. I need help. Then we can find, well, what is the solution? Australia is the home of about 21 of the world's 25 deadliest snakes. We've got some snake handlers in our church, some who are afraid of spiders, which really, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand how you can pick up a, a massive snake, but then be afraid of a little tiny spider. I don't get it, but that's a thing anyway. Uh, and so s snakes, some people, like when they think of Australia, they think of snakes and spiders. They're like, why would you move, you know, sometimes I go, why would you move to that country? They have tornadoes. Or why would you move to that country? There's earthquakes there all the time. Well, people think that about why would you move to Australia? Because there's a ridiculous amount of snakes. But we're just like, oh, they're everywhere. Three of the most venomous snakes, uh, or two of the top three, are Australian snakes. Come on, Aussies, we're winning at everything. <laughs> and these particular snakes... Uh, if they bite you, if their venom is injected into your bloodstream, it will be seconds or minutes and you'll be gone. The only thing that will stop the venom taking you out will be an anti-venom injected into your bloodstream, an anti-venom. Now, it's fascinating how an anti-venom is created, but one of the most common ways, and there's a number, but one of the most common ways is to take the venom of the snake and you might have seen it, but the concept of being a snake milker is just a whole weird world. But anyway, some people milk the venom out of snakes, and then they'll take it, and the most popular way, the most common way to build an anti-venom is to take that venom to inject it into a sheep or a lamb, and that's injected into a lamb, and the lamb has phenomenal antibodies and anti-venom power. That's what, that's what scientists have found. And so what will happen, as soon as the venom gets into the lamb, it starts creating all these, these antibodies and starts fighting the venom so that it doesn't get killed because that's the, the power of lamb's blood. And then they'll remove the blood, which has now got the, a bit of the venom and the antibodies and a bit of the sheep's blood. They'll remove that and then they'll purify that and that becomes the anti-venom. The blood of the lamb becomes the venom, the anti-venom to the problem of the most poisonous snake. In the Old Testament, when the Bible was talking about the Savior of the world coming, it said there's coming a Savior, there's coming a Messiah, and He will be called the Lamb of God. And when, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, who was his cousin, come to him in the Judean desert to be water baptized, he said these words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The most amazing thing is if we know the problem that we've been in, injected with, that genetically we've got this tendency towards sin, the, the venom of sin is in us genetically, then there's only one way to deal with that, and that's an anti-venom. And the anti-venom is where someone whose blood was perfect would have the injection of sin put on them and they would fight and resist and pay a price for that. And then one day that anti-venom would be available for you and I. It's called the blood 
of Jesus Christ and it's what Good Friday is all about. There's an old song that we sing that goes like this, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What, that if sin's my problem, what can deal with it? Not willpower, not meditation, not mindfulness, not, not a, a, a new start in your own ability, not a better physical fitness, not a change of your mindset. The only thing that can deal with the core problem of our sin, all of those things can be great add-ons, but if we're going to deal with the core problem, the only thing that can wash away our sin is the blood of Jesus. It's, that's what Good Friday is on. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to become sin for us. God took your sin and my sin and the sin of every murderer, every foul thought, every foul word, every grievous thing that every, any human being has ever committed and he injected, he placed it on Jesus at the cross and at the cross Jesus became repulsive to God, re separated from God because that's what sin does, it separates us from God, he became repulsive to God, he was rejected by God and in a moment he was judged for the sin of the whole of humanity in one moment. That's why you and I can be set free from a sin problem. Romans chapter 3, it says like this, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. That's why he, Jesus died on a cross, the perfect Son of God, clothed in human flesh, became one of us and went to the cross willingly, not, but not by anyone else's choice. The Bible says he made it his choice to go to the cross. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his love, his life, shedding his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will deal with our sin problem. The hope of the world is faith in Jesus Christ dealing with that sin problem on the inside of you and I. A life transformation happens. Well, why did he do it? Why do you do it? A story is told in Robert Coleman's book, Written in Blood, about a young boy, his name's Johnny, and his sister was Mary. And Mary needed a blood transfusion. The doctor explained that they needed someone who'd had the disease and recovered from the disease. Their blood was the only thing that could be injected to give the little girl a chance to survive and because Johnny had had the disease two years earlier and survived the disease they decided he would be the best candidate to take some of his blood with those antibodies and to inject it into her blood otherwise she would die I said to Johnny would you give your blood to Mary and Johnny hesitated his lower lip started to tremble but then he smiled and said sure for my sister I will Soon the two children were wheeled into hospital, Mary pale, thin, Johnny robust and healthy. Neither spoke, but when their eyes met, Johnny grinned. 
As the nurse inserted the needle into his arm, Johnny's smile faded. He watched the blood flow through the tube. When the ordeal was almost over, his voice, slightly shaky, broke the silence. Looked at the doctor and said, Doctor, when do I die? Because he thought that giving his blood to his sister would require his life. And because he loved her so much, he was prepared to make that sacrifice. Not sure how many of us would do that for our sisters. Just not sure. Why would he, why would he do that? Love. Why did Jesus, the Son of God, come and die on our behalf? A sacrifice for our sin, wearing all of our sin on himself? Love. You may have seen signs around this Easter. So many churches have, have used this simple symbolism, message of Easter is cross equals heart, love. The reason, and Daniel said it earlier, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, For God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. The problem is sin. The solution is Jesus' blood. And the reason is the love of God. He loves you and he loves me. He doesn't want us to be separated. What we're going to do in a few moments, we're going to share communion together. Jesus told us to do this regularly. Drink juice representative of his blood that was shed for us. Break bread representative of his, of his body that was broken for us. But before we do that, I want to give an opportunity to everybody in this room today. I don't know where you're up to with God. I don't know where you're up to with Jesus. But what we're going to do in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask us to close our eyes. And while our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask today if you would like to invite Jesus to be your Savior. If you would like to put your faith in Him for the forgiveness of of your sin, to deal with that problem in your life so that everything could change. I'm going to ask you if you'd like to do that to raise your hand just in your seat while eyes are closed and I'll just say, yeah, I see your hand and you can put it down. And then while we're in our seat all together, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. That prayer will be asking God to come into our life, putting our, uh, confessing that we believe in Jesus and that we're putting our faith in Him for the forgiveness of our sins and that we're going to follow Him. I'm going to lead us in that prayer. And as you pray that prayer all together after me, for those of you who want that for the first time or are coming back to God, it's going to be a powerful moment. I want us to close our eyes right across the room. If you're saying this morning, John, I don't have a relationship with God and I know I want one or I need one. There's something missing in my heart. Maybe you connected to Riley's story a little bit earlier of all of the things that have kind of gone wrong and you need a circuit breaker and you need a fresh start, well, today is the day for a fresh start. Today is the day for the forgiveness of sin because of the message of Easter. Today is the day for 
a new relationship with God, for Him to pour His love into your heart, for Him to change you from the inside out. A powerful transaction is about to happen if you will surrender to God, invite Him into your life. Maybe you're here and it's not about a new relationship with God. Maybe you just need to come back to God. You once had a relationship with Him. You once maybe went to church or Sunday school or youth group. You once followed God, believed in God and was close to God, but you've drifted away. And today it doesn't matter why you drifted away. That's, That's irrelevant today. Today the issue is, will you come back to Him? Will you recommit your life to Him? Will you make a fresh decision to start again with God? And if you're going to do that in a moment, I want you to raise your hand as well. Or maybe you're here today and you're just not sure if when you die you're going to go to heaven. Well, I would love to help you make sure to have an assurance in your heart. Sometimes we think, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I'm a good person. I believe God's real. I'm hoping I get in. But that's not what gets you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is faith in Jesus Christ. Not being a good person. Faith in Jesus Christ. And when you have that faith in Jesus, you have an assurance, a confidence in your heart that you're going to spend eternity with Him. So right across this room, right, while while eyes are bowed, heads are closed, Father, I'm praying that you would speak to hearts by your Holy Spirit. That people would have the courage to respond to the love of God and the sacrifice of Jesus. That today would be a game-changing day for so many people. So if this is you, I'm going to count to three in a moment. And when I get to three, I want you just, if you're saying, John, I want to come back to God. I want to begin a relationship with God. Or I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. When I get to three, I want you to raise your hand. All right, here we go. One. Something's missing in your life and you want to connect with God. Two, you want to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Three, would you raise your hand up and say, that's me right now. Fantastic, I see your hand over there at the back. Outside, I see your hand. Awesome. Who else right now? Today's your day to get right with God. Today's your day to receive the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers. If that's you as well, would you raise your hand? Say, that's me today. I want what you're talking about. You'll have this sense and feeling that something's missing in your life. And today you've heard the good news about God's love and what Jesus has done. I want to help you. I want to pray this prayer with you in a moment. Surrendering to God and letting Him come into your life. So I'm going to look around the room. I I know that there's a couple more people right now. Your heart's just having this kind of argument. Often what happens is our mind has all these reasons of why I don't need to do this. But... Becoming a Christian is not about our mind, it's about our heart getting right with God. It's about a moment of surrender. And when you surrender, beautiful things happen. So if that's you right now, you're saying, John, I want to begin that relationship with God or come back to Him. Would you raise your hand as well so we can include you in this prayer? Just raise it up real high. Say, that's me as well. Include me in this prayer. Awesome. Fantastic. All right, let's, you can put your hand down. Thank you over there on the side as well. That's awesome. Is there anyone else? Just raise it up real high. Say, that's me. Don't miss this moment. Awesome. We're going to pray this prayer. Can we all pray it together? Especially those of you who raised your hand. Say these words after me. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross 
in my place for my sin. I'm sorry. I've lived my way and I'm turning to you today to live your way. I put my faith in Jesus. I renounce the devil and all his works. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power of God. I thank you today. I'm forgiven, cleansed, born again, and going to heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together right now. Fantastic. God bless you. Those of you who raised your hand. So wonderful. We're going to share in communion together right now.